Hey everyone, this is Pastor Stephen. I wanted to thank you for checking out our podcast, and we hope that this message encourages you and helps you in your pursuit to live for Christ with everything you have. We hope you enjoy the message. If you're new to the church, or you're new to this, to uh, or newer to us, or if you were just here last Tuesday or last Sunday, how was Pastor Ray for you last Sunday? Amazing. He's a phenomenal mentor of mine, and I love him, and, I, and I'm so thankful that he got to be part of this, to see what God is doing here. Yes, ma'am. He reminded you of me. I guess that's a good thing. I guess I am a replicant of him, but just a little taller and a little less hair. <laughs> of course, Tracy. But if you're new to the church, we've been in a study for the last... Week, eight weeks now, on the book of James. The book of James is really, if you look at it, it's only five chapters. But the book of James is known and considered to be the book of Proverbs of the New Testament. And in it, there's nuggets of, of greatness that we can decipher and get through, and it, how, and it has an ability to change lives if we allow it to, to be exposed. Because a lot of people, when they get to the book of James... Let me be honest. They're through it in less than 10 minutes. But yet we've been focusing on it for eight hours now, for eight weeks, and we're getting ready to go for the ninth hour, and we're not even halfway through it. And it shows you the importance of digging in and looking at the Scripture. It's like talking about where, where if we were mindful of what we say and how it can affect the relationships we have. Where, where our heart has to be aligned with God in certain ways. Where our actions have to speak louder than our words. Or better yet, sometimes your words are never ne needed to be said, but sometimes an ear is all people need. And I think that has to deal with the fact that humanity is struggling with something within us. You see, I have five daughters, most of you know. That's why I have no hair. They stole it all. And my five daughters, I've learned, pick up a lot of the world's traits, and I'm still trying to show them how God has transformed me, because I once remembered how I once was. But in it, I've seen this, the transformation of how fast the world has walked away from a lot of the traditions of the church, and started pursuing after thoughts that they think are more contributing to their lifestyles and it's left a mess and a mark on their lives that they don't realize. But that's why it's important that we get into the Word of God and allow it to be the light that exposes all the darkness upon us. Let me tell you, if you're new to the faith or if you're newer to the faith, when you get into the Word of God, it can do some cutting on your life. Siri, I don't need you. We'll just do that right now. Sorry about that. See what I'm saying? The world wants to distract us. But when we get into the Word, it has the ability to, to, to take pieces at us and cause some issues and struggles because there are things in our lives that we don't want to get rid of. 
But I'm thankful that we have a God who loves us enough not to leave us in that muck and that, that, that dirt and in that, that, that horrible mess that we can find ourselves into. Can I ask a quick question this morning? Have you ever got into a situation where you instantly regretted what happened? Raise your hand. See, everybody should have that. My wife will tell you that I had a situation when we were younger, and I'm walking around in a Lowe's, and this one little boy falls, and I looked at him, and I'm like, hey, buddy, are you okay? And this other lady goes up, and she says, is that your kid? I said, no, I just have a thing for kids. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> worst comes to worst, I said, oh, not in a Michael Jackson way. And she's like, oh, my wife's looking at me going, honey, shut up. But it's in those situations that we realize that there's something that has to be fixed. In those situations, there's something that has to change in it. But that's why I love how James, in his letters to the church, and it's not just to one singular church, it's to a whole entire group of churches that are scattered all over the early or the, the Roman Empire into Asia Minor and all these different places where Christians are just now figuring out the faith as they're having hope in their Savior, Jesus Christ. Hearing the report that he died on the cross. But even more mighty, more powerful than anything else is that he didn't stay there. See, there's something about that that gives hope. But there's something beyond that that we have to go through. So when James chapter 3 verse 13 starts off, James puts out a question. He says, who is wise and understanding among you. Let me tell you right now, if I were to ask you that question, what would your initial response be? Go ahead. What did you say, Kelsey? Me. Why me? I have no clue. Let me tell you, most of us would say the older generation. Can I agree? Those that have the gray hair. Those that have the, the marks of being through situations. Those are what we consider to be wise. But James continues on. He says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of the wisdom. Next. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambitions in your heart, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, and partial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is shown in peace by those who make peace. Those words, those powerful, profound statements that James is declaring is the heart of the sermon this morning. 
Because what we have to understand as Christians is we have to move beyond a set point of just knowing. What do you mean, Pastor Stephen? Knowing is great. I know how to make instant macaroni and cheese. I've taught my kids how to to know how to make instant macaroni and cheese. But the wisdom and the practicality that comes from it is sticking the water in there with the right proportions and hitting the right microwave buttons so that way when it starts spinning on the round spiral clear plates, that it comes out in the proper fashion. Let me tell you, my kids have burnt macaroni and cheese in the microwave. It's not a pleasant smell in my household when the microwave makes the noodles a little brown instead of a little bit more plumpness from the water absorption. It's not a very pleasant thing. But I think it's interesting that what we struggle with in this letter that James is writing to the church is trying to provide a cautionary tell of where we should seek and find the information and the processing that goes through it. You see, I walked around the Barnes and Noble store the other day, and I look, I look around, and one of the first things I always walk into is the self-help group. You ever seen those books? How to Lose Weight in 10 Days. I've tried it, it didn't work. Back in the day, I can remember trying to figure out how to find a wife. I looked for a book and I said, how do you find a wife? And I was like, okay, let's see how this works. Let me tell you, every method and every practicality that came into that amounted to zero. It told me, go get the nicest car, save up as much money in the bank, flash it to the ladies and make it like a a, a fancy dance for them and they'll come. And I was like, okay, let's try this. I worked my tail off to no avail, but praise God. Can I just say this real quick? Praise God that my thought processes were wrong and that the self-help books were wrong. But even greater, thank God that I have a better knowledge bank that I can pour into or pour out and look into and start trying to build things into my life as I read His Word. You see, one of the things that we struggle with as Christians, as as believers in this, this, this Messiah, this man that died on the cross and was risen from the dead, this man that was fully God and fully human at the same time, was showing us was not just a, a how to book to get through life, it was deeper. It was personal. It was more practical in every fashion that we have. But what we struggle with is we reach to the wrong information continually. It's like I can remember back in the day when you wanted to find out the news, you didn't go and took look at a screen that came on your hand. No. You went to the place that was in the front of the driveway half the time. And you want to know how I know that? Because I'm not that old. Or I'm not that young. Which one is it, Brother Jim? I don't know. 
I'm 90. Thanks there, Dom. But here's the truth. I can remember a time and a day when I had to wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning every day when I was a teenager, before I was a teenager. I'd get up, there'd be this big giant stack of papers on my porch with some rubber bands. I'd have to go wrap them up, stick them in a pouch, and drive around all over the place on a bicycle until, Lord knows, I had to get up and take a shower after that and, and, and go to school. But I was out there delivering what we call the news. See, there was a time and a place where news was so slow to get to you. The information was able to be processed in a way, in a fashion that we could glean from it. But nowadays, we have these pocket screens that are so great where, where the information's at the tip of our thumbs and the tip of our fingers. Like, like nowadays, I look at it and go, WebMD, I have a cough, my heart hurts, and this. And it says, you're dying, you have cancer. Or my wife's going, honey, I got to figure this out. And she starts typing on it. I'm like, honey, what are you doing? And she goes, honey, I don't know. Google's got the answers. And I said, honey, what are you doing all the time? You see, what I'm trying to get at is, we are a people that love information. We like to know things. We like to learn things. We like to find things out. Lord knows, if you want to look at the news nowadays, all you have to do is turn on a Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, every other alphabet news channel on the, on the planet that's always running, and you can find out what that is. Or you can go to Google. But James's question is a profound statement. Who is wise among you? See, I can't get past that statement. That question, that, that proclamation that there is something beyond where we're at. Because what James is trying to ask the early church, what he's trying to ask this current church, as the Holy Spirit's ministering through his word to each and every one of us, he's asking, which of you would consider yourself wise right now? And most of us will say, I know some things, but I don't know all things. People look at me in the pulpit and say, you're wise. No. I'm still growing with an understanding of everything I have. But that shows the heart of where we have to understand that there's greater depth where we are. Yet, if you'll put up the first point. Because what we have to understand is that wisdom is always tied to meekness. That's a word and a definition most of us hate to hear. You ever hear the word meekness and you go, oh, oh yeah, I know that person at work. Man, they're the, they, they just kiss up to the boss. They never say anything bad. They never do anything like this. Oh, meekness is the worst. Meekness is the weak. Let me tell you, when I was growing up in high school, whenever we heard the word meek, I ran from it. I don't want to be anything like meek. but it's a struggle that we all get into because what we find ourselves in is this meekness is where we realize that we've missed the mark in every entitlety because what Matthew 5 and 5 says, this is Jesus telling the Beatitudes to the, to the, uh, the followers as they're looking around there and they're looking at all over the place and he looks at them and says, hey, 
Listen up. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Meek. Blessed are the meek. You mean, Jesus, what is that supposed to imply? And he's like, if you would learn to trust God, to submit to his ways, there's a promise to it. If you would learn to follow after his commandments with all that you have and seek after him and seek every information you could find about what God is and let the Holy Spirit minister to you and through you in every facet, you will be blessed and you will inherit the earth. And I was reading that the other day and I said, God, we'll inherit the earth. And he says, yeah. I don't mean that you're not going to get to go to heaven but you'll find favor among those around you. You'll find favor where people will look at you and say, there's something different about that person. You see, I've met people that are meek and faithful to God and everything that they have, and they get favor from all over the place. I know one young man, he's not so young anymore, but he was a young man at the time. He was looking to get a new job, and he looked at it, and he says, hey, I don't make the qualifications in any facet for this great high-paying job with the city. But what he learned was, I'm going to be faithful for a little bit. I'm going to trust God in all that I have. I'm going to let God open the doors. And let me tell you, every other person and candidate that was qualified for the job didn't get it. But he did. Why is that? Because there's something about the meekness that we have to walk towards so that God can show us the truth about every aspect. But wisdom is always tied to this meekness. It's a weird saying. Because what we want to think and, and collaborate in our heads is, is wisdom is something we have to fight for. But I need to tell somebody right now, wisdom is never tied to be fighting with. It's tied to be connected with. Meekness is connection. Meekness has got a two-fold part. If you'll throw that next slide up, Yetta. Meekness is a two-fold word. The first one is submission to God's will. For Christians, that comes with the understanding that grace that saves us is not cheap. For some reason, people have connected the grace that God has given us through his, his salvational work at Calvary's cross as something that's something cheap and, and toss awayable. It's almost like people walk around in the churches nowadays saying, oh, I got grace, toss it away. Oh, I got this, let's go over here. It's never meant to be cheap. He didn't die on the cross for each and every one of you so you can have a life of whatever you want. Because he designed you with a purpose that's particular for each and every one of you. Scripture says he knows every hair on your head. For some, that's harder to count than others. But the truth is, the grace that God has given you cost a lot. 
And if it costs a lot, let me tell you right now, it might be free to you, but it's going to be something that has to go on the other side. Because what we have to understand is that if the grace that we have in our salvation was cheap, it would not require our lives to be in full submission to God. But what God is trying to tell everybody this morning, It smells like something was burning for a second. I was thinking fire. Oh, we get hungry, are we? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, well, let's get let's get to the point here. It is the fact that if the grace that we have is to cost us everything more than the hot dog smell, making me want to say evacuate, evacuate, it means it's more than anything else we have. Because what we have to correlate is that if this grace is not cheap, if this grace is more valuable than anything we have, it's going to require something from each and every one of us. See, what Jesus was telling people all over the world as he was helping them out during his three-year ministry, he says, your, your sin is forgiven. Go and sin no more. Can I ask you a question? Have you accepted his grace and he says, go and sin no more, and then you walked right back into that sin mess? Oh, I'm going to hit some nerves here this morning. Have you walked right back into that sin mess after you keep going to the cross saying, Lord, forgive me? And then you just get enticed right back into it. See, there's something that has to connect with the correlation of what grace was meant to. See, grace was always tied to reconnect you back in full submission to God, to be the one that's worshiping Him with everything that you have. It's the thing that's supposed to connect you back with everything that God has. You see, Matthew 26 and 39 reminds us of this truth where, where, where this meekness has to come in, and it goes on, it says, and going a little further, Jesus fell on His face in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he highlights to us, each and every one of us, of what we're supposed to live our lives like, where we put on this meekness of full submission to God, where he says, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. But hallelujah, he didn't stop right there. Praise God, he didn't just stop with that saying. He says, But nevertheless, not as I will but as you will. See, Jesus is showing us how we're supposed to seek his face with everything we have. Seek his purpose for our lives and everything we do. But there's a contrast. There's always a good contrast in every story, right, Sister Amy? See, the greatest example of full submission was Jesus. The secondary one was similar but not as great because it's a contrast because it shows us the humanity that's within us and that's King David. King David was known as a man after God's own heart. If you've never heard of King David, 2 Samuel, go start reading through it. You'll see all the things he was attributed to. But you know what? I'm thankful, Sister Amy, that he didn't sugarcoat the truth. King David was a man after God's own heart. If they would have left it there, he would have went down in infamy as everything else. But we know that King David 
one night sent his troops out to the field and stayed in the palace. And he looked down and he saw this young lady bathing all on the rooftop. And he went and said, who is that? And they said, hey, that's Uriah's wife. And he said, bring her to me. And then the other time that he messed up was when God had commanded them never to count all of Israel again. And King David, for whatever reason in his head, bonehead move, he said, hey, I want you to go start counting all of Israel so I can know what we have for a fighting force. And so they did it. But can I tell you that if you ever find yourself in those kind of moments where you have the idea where this flesh that you're going through and that God's just going to let you be, can I just say you're wrong? David got called out way many times for those issues. Bathsheba, the prophet of the time, came and said, hey, what would happen if somebody took another person's lamb and and made it for their own dinner because they didn't want to pay them for it? David's like, we should kill them. And he says, well, the same is for you. David's heart got cut. And he realized that he wasn't walking in full submission to God. And he knew the consequences were grave for what was going to happen. Same thing happened with the counting of the people. They're taking up the census. The prophet came up, called him out, said, hey, which one do you want? What punishment? And he says, I'll just take this punishment over here. We're going to let other people die. But it checked his heart. You see, what I'm trying to get to is, is that wisdom is not something that's always easily earned. Wisdom is attributed to meekness, submission to God. Because what we have to understand is the next point, Yetta, that wisdom, that knowledge, that wisdom, uh, the knowledge, that wisdom that is given is God's first. Can I say that easier? The knowledge that we have of wisdom is that the wisdom we get is from God first, because He's the one that has it. You see, what we struggle with every single day is we think that life experiences and that gray hair on our heads is what's going to give us wisdom. Yes, it will give you some wisdom. It will not give you all. There's a reason why I have met some gray-haired individuals that don't know lick of anything. And it's because they've lived a life, but they've never connected with the source. There's other individuals that I've met that, that have gray hair on their heads and they have gotten connected to the source and they're a plethora of information and knowledge bank that I can trust in the source. There's young people that I've learned that have been connected to the source for way too long that seem like they're wiser than their age ever would tell them to be. Because that's what we have to understand is, church, that if the wisdom that we're trying to seek after is got to be connected with Him and Him alone. It's the reason why I married my wife. The dating services did not work. The books and the highlights of the self-help of how to find women didn't work. Can I tell you what did? God. Walking into a room and God says, that's going to be your wife. And I was like, what in the world are you talking about, God? And he says, that's your wife. Didn't know. 
that I was going to marry my best friend because of that. I didn't know I was going to have a healthy marriage that's rock solid every single day of my life because of what he said. I didn't know that I was going to have somebody that I could have a ride or die through all of this journey and the ups and the downs and the five kids later and the low hair later and everything else that we have. But what I've learned is, is that if my meekness and my full submission to God, I have hope. I have peace. I have joy. But the struggle in the world today, the struggle in the churches today, is the fact that even though we might have knowledge and and everything that we have, we lose sight of where it comes from. You see, we look at this right here as a bunch of rule books saying what we can't do. You mean I'm not allowed to go out and hang out with my friends anymore? No, that's not what it says. Well, somebody once told me I'm not allowed to do this over here anymore because that's what this says. No, that's not what it says. But, but if this is only going to tell me what I can't do, when is it going to tell me what I can do anymore? Can I just encourage each and every one of you this morning that if this is God's knowledge and His Spirit is moving in each and every one of us, it brings wisdom to any of us that would read it. You see, we live in a world today that wants to say that that the Ten Commandments are just too restrictive. They want to say that the Ten Commandments don't have any effect anymore because they don't show us any good things in our life. But when we look at them, what we see is there's greater power and authority into them. It's like the first one. Yeah, they throw them up for me. For you will have no other gods before me. The second one is to have no graven image of heavenly things around you. Third one is to don't use the Lord's name in vain. The fourth is to keep the Sabbath day holy. You see, those right there, hold up right there, Yetta. Go back there. Those first four are trying to show you the connective source of what you're supposed to do in your life and what God has got for you. Because what it's showing is your priority needs to be put in You see, if God is God, who are you worshiping? I'm going to ask that again. If God is God, and He is the only God in the world, then why is it that we keep worshiping CNN? Why is it that we keep worshiping the U.S. government? Why is it we keep worshiping these self-ideal thoughts that keep flaring up all over the place? We shouldn't. We need to worship one God, the only true God, the one that is three parts in one, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then better yet, we better not start making carved images and thinking that those are gods like the Romans used to. And if he's God, then why do we look at his name and cast it down like it's cheap and worthless? Or better yet, why do we take the Sabbath and walk all over it thinking that we don't have to put that priority in there because what God spoke? You see, church, 
Wisdom comes through the knowledge and the submission of the Father who is above all of us, who loves each and every one of us and wants to connect us back to Him. And then the rest of them, like, honor your parents and don't kill and don't commit adultery. and Don't steal and don't bear false witness. Better yet, don't covet what your neighbor has. See, those are all connected to the truth that, that the things of this world don't matter, but the people do. That's why we talk about go and be the church every Sunday. Go love God with everything you have and then go love your neighbors yourself as you're not willing to keep quiet about what he's done in your life. See, those are the commandments that we need to hold on to. But the world keeps holding on to this idea that wisdom will come through selfish ambitions. But let me tell you, there is no wisdom in selfish ambitions. Yetta, if you'll throw that up for me. Because what James 3, 14 through 16 reminds us, but if you have bitter jealousy, selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast by false uh, do and, and do not and don't bleh, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes from above. It is an earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be a disorder of every vile practice. See what we struggle with. is where we put our eggs in, the baskets that we think have truth. I'll be honest. I always joke around with people because I'm just not going to get to the point where it's so strict. But there's a point where I have to be bold enough to say, if we're not willing to be with God with everything we have, then what good are we? If not, we're not willing to say, God, if you're God and I'm not, then what am I not? Why am I not worshiping you? You see, I recall a time in my life where I struggled every single day. Oh, no, he's the pastor. Pastors are great. Pastors were holy at birth. No, they're not. Brother Jim, I love you for that. Can I tell you I have a history and a past that I'm not proud of, but I boast in this. I was once a drunkard. I was once addicted to nicotine. I was once into drugs. I was once into pornography. I was once a horrible mess that couldn't control his tongue, and everything I said was cussing and every effect. But once I said, I was once you see, what I'm trying to get at, church, is that, that the world wants me to have a selfish ambition with everything that I have, thinking that if I'm right, nobody else is. Sounds like today, right? Cancel culture is perfect for that. But what I've learned in my journey, in my life, when Jesus met me in my lowest moments, was the fact that I wasn't right. He said, what are you doing, Stephen? And I said, Jesus, I don't know. He says, do you want me to save you? And I said, yes, Lord. And he says, okay, take my hand. 
and I'll lead you through this journey. See, there's a reason why I always love the scripture of Isaiah where he says, though I fall, his righteous right hand raises me back up again. Though I might be a mess and get myself into trouble, he's the one that's the father that loves each and every one of you, that wants to encourage you, to show you the truth and to give you the knowledge, but to unlock the wisdom in your heart so that your life can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, there was a time in my young faith where I looked at God and said, God, I don't have enough money in my bank account. I can't tithe. And he says, try me. There was once a point in time where I looked at God and I said, God, i got to work on Sundays. I can't give you Sundays. He said, make a priority. There was once a time in my life where, where I said, God, I can't serve in ministry capacities. And he says, oh, get ready. You see, what I'm trying to get at a little bit is that we are all struggling through this life journey with the idea that we can find the truth and whatever we are pursuing. But you're falling yourself into a dirt, deep and dark and dirty trap that the enemy has set forth. Because what Romans 8 and 7 says, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. You see, what I'm trying to get at is, Every single day of our lives, we have to wake up and ask God, God, am I going to serve you or am I going to serve me? God, am I going to work for you or am I going to work for me? God, am I going to make you the priority in my life or am I just going to be the one that needs to be worshipped today? You see, that's the struggle that we all go into. And there's never going to be any wisdom apart from God. Because what we have to understand is that, that King Solomon... They're known as the wisest king of all times until he even walked away from it. Learned how to get wisdom. See, Solomon decided he wanted to honor God with all he had. It pleased God. And he looked at, and God asked him a question through the prophet. He says, what do you want? Tell me what you want and give it. I'll give it to you. King Solomon thought, I could have all the money in the world. Great. Then he thought, I could have all the ladies in the world. Great. I can have all the authority in the world. Great. But then he says, you know what, God? I don't want all those things. I want to be able to lead those around me with the best influence I can. And God says, that's the smartest answer you could have ever asked. That's the smartest thing that you could have ever said to me. Because you are seeking wisdom, I'll bless you the rest of the way through. See, I'm not trying to give you a prosperity gospel. I'm not trying to tell you that it's all going to work out and it's all going to look great. Let me tell you, being a servant of the Most High God is got its messes, ups, and downs. No, my bank account is not always full. Sometimes it's a little red. Sometimes it's not what I want it to be. But there's times that I've learned that it's even in the darkest moments that He's still faithful. It's in the darkest of times where I've learned to connect with Him that makes me seem wise in your eyes. It's in the time where I'm in his word, reading it, and asking God to speak to me that I can connect with him. But that's the problem that we have to start getting into in our own lives. Each and every one of us have to wake up and say, God, how can I connect with you? 
And only if we're willing to do that can we see his truth come through. Some of us might be walking around going, God, I want to honor you with what I do. I want to honor you with my marriage. But have you met my spouse? Some of us might be going up to God saying, God, I want to honor you. But my finances, man, that inflation is just killing me. Some of you are, might be saying, God, I want to honor you. But my time, man, there's not enough 24 hours in the day for me to get to where I can do what I need you to do or what I need to do for you. Better yet, some of us might want to be saying, God, I want to honor you with my words. But did you hear how so-and-so said to me? You see, what I'm trying to get at is your choices every single day and every single moment if they're tied with God, will allow you to realize that what James 3, 17 through 18 says, but the wisdom is from above is pure. It's not indoctrinated with different ideas. It's not been mixed up by Satan and all that he's doing because he wants to try to corrupt everything that God says is good and make it bad. It's pure. When you're connected to the source, it's pure. And then what it says is it then peaceable, gentle, and open to reason, and it's full of mercy and good fruits, and it's impartial and sincere. It's a harvest of righteousness, and it's sown in peace by those who make peace. See, what I want to tell somebody this morning is your knowledge is never going to be enough. You can go to Harvard and learn everything that you can learn. But it'll never amount to a lick of beans for wisdom if it's not connected to God. It's never going to be enough to get you through it. But all God is saying is, is if you want the wisdom, it's a simple practice. It's two words, and it's five letters. And it's saying, God, I'm done with it. I'm all in. All in. God, I don't care what it's going to cost. Your grace is sufficient. God, I don't care about the mess I'm in. I'm following you and everything that I have. God, your grace is sufficient for everything that I'm going to throw through because, God, I'm all in. You see, it was when I learned to go all in with God that I learned that he was capable and abundantly, exceedingly able to do everything that I would ever ask. But it comes from being all in in pursuit of him. It comes by saying, God, I'm going to spend time in your word. It comes by saying, God, I'm going to spend time in my prayer life. God, it comes in the time where you're worshiping God with your full heart, with arms wide open and saying, God, I'm an open book. Because that's what makes you hot. Because that's what God wants, is you to all be hot, on fire for God, all in. Humble, open, and transparent in all that you do so that He can pour what He's got for you in you. But it starts with this moment, if you'll stand with me this morning. I have a question before we get ready to close and do this final prayer, but I want to ask you, what do you want to be? Do you want to be cold? I like the cold. It's comfortable. I get to put more clothes on. It's good. 
Do you like to be hot, ready to go, and explosive, or lukewarm? A lot of us today, we'd like to be slightly warmed up, slightly prepared. But I'm reminded of what the book of Revelation says. I don't want you to, I'd rather you be hot or cold. But so often I keep finding the lukewarm churches. So often I keep finding the lukewarm Christians. Man, they're worse than anything else. They're not worth anything. Because you know what? There's a reason why when you go to the coffee bars, you can't find a lukewarm coffee. Dunkin' Donuts asks you, which way do you want it? Hot or cold? Lukewarm is horrible. Then why do we keep thinking that it's okay in our own faith to be lukewarm? See, that's where we have to make the decision today. Do you want to be hot? Or do you want to be cold? Hot or cold? I'm sorry. I want to be hot for God in everything that I do. There's a reason why I'm an open book in so many facets. Because I don't care about what I am or what I look like. I know what he's done for me, what he's done through me, and what he's got me going through. you got to think, God can do the miraculous in your life. If he can transform us, a, a 19-year-old drug addict, drunk, smoker, addicted to porn and has a worse mouth than anything else and that just didn't care for anything and wanted to argue against him, what do you think he's going to do for you? He wants to set you free. He wants to set you on fire. But that comes from the choice this morning. Are you hot? Or do you want to be cold? I want to be a hot church. I want to be on fire for God where we're not willing to, cut, to, to shut up anymore. I want to get a little bit more excited for what he's doing. But that comes from each and every one of your decisions this morning. So I want to ask you, do you want to be hot? I don't believe you. Do you want to be hot? There we go. Let's get a little excited. Get a little bit more eccentric about it. Because that's what transforms this world around us. So let us pray this morning. Father God, Lord, I thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you for what you're doing, Lord. I thank you that you've allowed us to be a people that are hungry and desire and pursuit for you. God, we ask you to touch and be with each and every one of us, Lord, today. Let us be the open books that you called us to be, Lord, but let us be hot in all that we do in our pursuit for you and allow it to be the thing that lets us go from just knowing who you are, God, to knowing who you are. There's a difference between just knowing who you are, God, and knowing you, God. God, we want to know you. We want the wisdom and that, that, that relationship of you connecting with us, Lord, where heaven comes down on earth. Every single day, Lord, as you give us our provisions, Lord, as you provide our needs and all that we are. So, God, I ask that you just be with each and every one of us today, Lord. Keep us on fire. Keep us on the flame, Lord, of your heart, Lord. And let us just see what you're going to do in our lives and in this church. God, I praise you for who you are. I give you all the glory, Lord. We give you all the praise. And this church says, Amen. Now, I do have to ask a question. Is there anybody in this church this morning that does not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior? And you want to make that today? Just shoot your hand up. Is there anybody in the house of the Lord this morning? Anybody? 
Is that you online this morning? Just shoot us a text, because what we're going to do real quick is we are going to walk somebody. I don't know who this is. It might be somebody that's watching on the live stream this morning. We're going to walk them to where they can have that relationship with God at the starting point in their pursuit. And I want to tell you right now, this means nothing if you say this prayer, and it's not saying, I want to be hot and all in for God. It means nothing. It's voided words, worthless of the speech. It's lukewarm. But if it means everything to you and it's your heart, let's just say it with us this morning. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart because I need a Savior. Because my mess is all piled up. But Lord, your word says that you died on the cross and you rose from the dead to purchase my salvation. To give me an expensive grace that shows that I'm worthy of something greater than the mess I find myself. Because God, you called me worthy. You set your, your eyes glazed on me today. And so Lord, I declare with my mouth and a full heart of declare that I am your servant. And I am your son or daughter. And I am saved. By Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we just give somebody a round of applause this morning? Now this is where those online get to miss out because what we're going to get to do now is we're going to get to go love people out in the community. We're going to go pass out hot dogs, sell pumpkins, watch people on bounce houses, pass out candy galore. Please, I don't want it in the church. Go and love your neighbor as yourself as you love the Lord God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. Go and be the church.